0: Cultures may have lots in common, yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different. Series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business. People in Middle East countries don't expect you to give up
1: your identity, but they definitely expect you to be respectful of the way other people choose to live. If you think of starting business with Saudi, Emirati or Qatari, you'd better find a person who has already built relationship with them so that they can introduce you to your potential business partners. When we're working uh, with Qatari or Emirati clients, learn
0: to negotiate. Don't give up easily. Their culture is quite competitive and it's been in their history to bargain and get the best deal.
1: We are happy to welcome you here at our podcast Same But Different. My name is Yubov Muntian. I am a team lead and English teacher at SoftServe Language School. Today I am joined by Ruslana Kurobenikova, who is a communication consultant at SoftServe that helps SoftServe teams and leaders achieve their goals through effective communication. Hi, Ruslana. Happy to have you here. Hi, Luba. Happy to be here and share our experience with our listeners. Today with Ruslana will be talking about culture, revealing a few secrets that will help you to work with people from the Middle East, namely Qatar, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Together with Ruslana we have been researching Middle East cultures, interviewing people and summarizing all of our experience and observations in business guidelines. Ruslana has been working with teams cooperating with clients from United Arab Emirates and Qatar. So, Ruslana, how was it experience? Luba, I have
0: to say it has been challenging and at the same time fascinating working on Middle East projects. So far, I've consulted teams in terms of United Arab Emirates and Qatar culture. And apart from that, we've been looking into Saudi Arabia and Oman. And I believe it's important to understand how diverse each of these cultures are. For example, there is only 12% of native citizens in Qatar, which means that 88% of people living there have come from other countries. This shows us how diverse the population is, and it means that being empathetic towards culture values can catalyze the process of cooperation with our
1: partners. Luba, you've been researching these cultures yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I have interviewed people from Saudi Arabia and what has been a real eye-opener for me is that even with the same country, some attitudes can be different. It depends on many factors, not just age and family traditions, as many people tend to think. Saudi Arabia is not that close country it used to be 10 or 20 years ago and quite often people just have some biases against it. For instance, you will never believe it. Recently, I have been asked if women have a right to drive in Saudi Arabia. Of course they have. Hmm. It seems that there is still
0: a lot of unknown about these countries, and people might be still very cautious about
1: working with them. I feel the same. The more we know about culture, people and their values, the easier we find to approach them and make business with them. Understanding comes through communication and just being curious about other countries and cultures. Indeed. Luba, I know that you
0: interviewed Saudis. Have you noticed how these culture values we've talked about are shown
1: in their behavior and stories they shared with you? Yeah, there were many vivid examples of cultural differences. And to tell you the truth, in the very beginning of my research, it was challenging for me to reach out to people to conduct interviews. At first, I tried to connect some Saudis on LinkedIn, where I wrote to quite a lot of people working in business, but they were not answering. I waited for a week or two and decided that it would be better to change the strategy and try another social media to reach out to them. So I opened Facebook and started looking for people from Saudi Arabia. I had written around 40 messages and received just a few answers. That was quite unexpected for me. I mean, very few people were willing to communicate. Although almost all of them read my messages. Only later on, I got to grips with the fact that it's a way more effective to have a person that will introduce you to Saudi, so-called mediator. Then people will feel much more comfortable communicating with a stranger. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And how can we explain it from culture perspective and what impact might it have in a business setting? I would say that it is in their culture of building trust. So if you think of starting business with Saudi, Emirati or Qatari, you'd better find a person who has already built relationship with them so that they can introduce you to your potential business partners. Oh, that's interesting.
0: So does it mean you need to know a Saudi that will introduce you to another Saudi
1: that you are going to work with? That's a best-case scenario. But a mediator can be a person that already has trust and has known a Saudi for some time, not necessarily a local. Then it will be easier to get acquainted and communication will run more smoothly. I see. What has been the most eye-opening experience for you during interviews? You know, uh, it's quite challenging to choose one. But the most vividly, I remember my first interview. That was an interview with a man called Halab. He joined the call from his car and he was wearing sunglasses. Sunglasses? You mean he didn't take them off? No, he didn't. We had been talking for an hour and he didn't take them off. At first, that looked really suspicious to me. But at the end of our conversation, when we were talking about the concept of respect, he explained that in Saudi culture, it is considered to be impolite and even disrespectful to look directly into the eyes of a woman at first meeting. He said that usually it takes time to start working effectively as Saudis are pretty cautious when it comes to meeting new people. When I asked what can help to build trust, he said time, You need to work together. Then he elaborated on his understanding of trust and told that if I hadn't been a teacher, he wouldn't even have responded to my message, as people from his culture tend to avoid communication with strangers with whom they don't have shared contacts. Wow, that's quite impressive. Yeah, it is. He also explained that that direct way of reaching out to people doesn't work well. That's why so few people answered me. You have to know a person to introduce you to a Saudi. That one more time showed me when do business with Saudi invest your time in building relationships. Yeah, that makes sense. So... What have been other interviews about? Oh, I remember one more insightful interview. That was an interview with Allah from Ukraine. She has been working for eight years in Saudi Arabia with Prince Al-Valid and told me that she had totally reconsidered her beliefs and attitudes to Middle East countries. She used to think that Saudi Arabia has many restrictions, but actually it doesn't. For instance... There is a misconception that women have to wear a baya and cover head, that it's a must. But in practice, clothes just have to be respectful, not revealing hands, shoulders, and knees. Working with a prince as a manager on his jet, Allah has never been asked to cover head even more. She was said that there aren't very strict regulations related to her appearance and clothes. What was striking for her? that Saudis were very respectful to foreigners, and they were not demanding to follow all of the rules. For sure, Saudi Arabia has stricter rules and people follow traditions more rigidly than, for instance, in Ukraine. But it's not very different. It's interesting to hear that, you know, uh,
0: the perspective of a foreigner working with a Saudi... And how about Saudis?
1: What did they tell you about following traditions and obeying the rules? You know, Ruslana, it isn't the same in all parts of the country. And quite often, family you were brought in will define your attitude to everything. The northern part of the country is well known to have stricter regulations than the western and middle part. One person that I interviewed, Kaki, has been working in business administration for some time and she told me that this field is quite flexible and she has a lot of freedom. Kaki told me that religion still plays a vital role in their lives. But people don't expect that foreigners will follow all restrictions so strictly. For instance, to keep fast. According to tradition, Saudis don't eat, drink, or smoke during the daylight hours of the fasting months of Ramadan. Therefore, it's respectful to avoid eating, drinking, and smoking in public. However, if you want to drink or eat, you can do it in private. That's a great example that shows people in Middle East
0: countries don't expect you to give up your identity, but they definitely expect you to be respectful of the way other people choose to live.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Truslana, have you noticed what distinguishes Qatar and United Arab Emirates culture from others, our teams you work with?
0: Oh yeah, understanding culture values is at the core of successful cooperation with our partners there. Let me give you an example. One of soft teams was working on a project for an international bank in Qatar. The team was trying to set up processes and plan their work for the longer period, like two, three months. This seems okay, right? For us, at least. Because though Qatari wanted to know the dates of delivery, they were rather focused on here and now and flexible with the implementation. And the problem was that the stakeholders kept changing requirements even when the sprint started or providing materials and project information later than agreed. They could plan the tasks that seemed unrealistic to do in the given time. And as we look at this situation from the culture perspective, we realize that people in Qatar and United Arab Emirates have different attitude to time. They are more focused on what's important here and now rather than in the distant future. So it's important to introduce some changes, for example. They would prefer to do that and to do that right
1: now. It really makes sense. It's essential to ensure that we in the team are all on the same page. I guess these differences in attitude to time can cause some misunderstanding and in Ukrainian culture, proper planning is crucial. We Ukrainians try to take into account a long-term perspective, paying quite a lot of attention to details. Ruslana, what can you advise for such cross-cultural teams as a communication consultant? How can we manage it? That's a good question. Though it might be overwhelming at first, there are
0: several things we can do, I think. First, visualize or update our tasks with stakeholders every day, prioritizing and going through them at stand-up meetings, for example, and sharing them in the follow-up email. It will help us to keep our stakeholders on track. Second, and I would say this is one of the most crucial things when we're working uh, with Qatari or Emirati clients, learn to negotiate. Don't give up easily. Their culture is quite competitive and it's been in their history to bargain and get the best deal. Their negotiation skills might have changed a little bit since ancient times, but they are actively using them in business. Imagine a situation You're asked to implement several features during one sprint,
1: and you have time only for one of them. What will you do? Oh, I will try to explain that it's not plausible, maybe emphasize the risks. Okay, emphasizing the risks is a good idea, and
0: it depends on which arguments you choose. If you say that as a result it will have a negative impact because you won't have enough time to track all the defects and part of functionality might be impacted in several months, it might not work as you are focusing on the long term perspective. What could work is saying what could be the impact in the nearest future or on the most crucial functionality. Build your arguments with a short term perspective in mind. Another thing is negotiating the priority of the tasks. How assertive are
1: we in asking our stakeholders about them? You mean asking how important something is and what's the priority, right? I'm sure our teams do this. Yes, exactly. And we can go even further, asking
0: if both features are high priority, what would be the acceptable minimum we could develop for both in the current sprint? Let's look at one more situation. SoftServe team works with a team from the client side. Now they are looking at backlog items, defects raised during one of the phases. The project manager from the client side presents a dashboard with the number of defects SoftServe has and how many defects his team has. He tries to build a plan and says, on the 1st of August, we will deliver 100 items. On the 15th of August, we will deliver 100 more items. SoftServe manager thinks that it's an realistic plan tasks to do during sprint development, the defects as well, and deliver it within one sprint. Yeah, seems like a lot of work. Right. So she wants to clarify and asks him to go, to go back to the slide and explain, as the tasks seem to be not appropriately estimated. She says, we need to go through each defect, review, clarify, and look at what is needed from a user perspective. And only after estimating, I can provide a realistic date of when it could be delivered based on the capacity of the team and the ongoing sprint. The reaction of the key stakeholders is, just manage it accordingly with each other. We care about at least receiving a date rather than this date being unrealistic.
1: We expect the functionality to be done on time. Oh, that really demonstrates us their focus on the core functionality. but. When it comes to the way it's implemented, we could be a little bit more persistent and negotiate the priorities and the changes. Right, that's that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> So, Ruslana, I hear that constant communication and meetings are a must. And I do believe that live communication helps you to build relationships with people. When working on the project with United Arab Emirates and Qatar, I could see that people do business or are ready to cooperate only with those they trust and building trust
0: requires our time initiative and readiness to open up and build relationships on all levels and it can help us to persuade our qatari and emirati colleagues as well for example if you invest time in small talk in longer conversations you will learn more about your emirati or qatari colleagues their interests their aspirations And you might find out that they are looking for promotion and that increases their interest in the success of the project. Then, in the future, in your arguments, you can demonstrate how you care about making the project
1: successful and helping them achieve their own goals. Oh, I see. So, do you believe that closer communication within the team can be a good idea to improve it? Do you think it can help? Definitely.
0: I believe we must invest in relationship building from the very start of the project. It is a good idea to go on site and meet your colleagues face to face, work with them in one room, as well as have a friendly chit chat in the hall. Have an online team building if you don't have a chance to go on site. It's a good way to present all people, give a chance to the team on the client side, talk about themselves and start building relationships on personal level. And as this culture is very relationship-driven, later on, you'll be able to reach out to key people on the client side, for example, a product manager or an architect. And with their help, you'll be able
1: to communicate your concerns, impact or results to the team or other stakeholders. Rusana, do you mean that sometimes better relationship can help to work more effectively as you will be able to get information needed from people involved in the project? Yes, it might help. And I also have heard that one more factor that influences communication and decision making is hierarchy and status. Agree. I have a good example to
0: share in relation to this. We had a case when the software team didn't have a business analyst on our side and worked with a business analyst on the client side. And the BA was providing general information regarding requirements. But when she was asked about the details, she was getting a bit irritated and was saying either that the given information is enough or that the team should find the answers themselves. If we had kept asking her a question that could have been perceived as challenging her status and wouldn't have helped us to stay in good relationships with her, That's why the team used their good relationships with their colleagues from the development team on the client
1: side and the project manager and gathered additional details in one-to-one meetings with them. What an interesting case that one more time demonstrates the impact of culture values on the way we do business. It's essential to be observant and aware of differences in behavior and communication. Yeah, totally agree. And to sum up, the way you build your cooperation with Qatari, Emirati
0: or Saudi can either help to succeed or lead to frustration from both sides if you are not aware of the importance of status, developing relationships, personal
1: achievements and perception of time. Being aware of these cultural differences and their impact on communication can help us to work away more effectively. Thank you, Ruslana, for this engaging conversation. I believe your expertise of communication consultant will be super useful for our listeners. Thank you, Luba, for sharing your experience. I find the stories we've talked about really
0: insightful. And I do believe that learning more about cultures will help our listeners build relationship with their clients.